Coming up, the New York football Giants and the New York football Giants fan base is still caught up in the afterglow of that massive London victory over the Green Bay Packers. We take a look at some of the key elements for this franchise that they have established throughout this season and maybe even took a bigger step forward with that win on Sunday. What does it mean for this team going forward? And quite frankly, how is Andy Makowitz feeling on a Monday morning? All coming up next. Ah, yes, friends. It's OGP, the one giant podcast where, of course, we are your host over here, Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the Brooklyn Nets and the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy, Doug Norrie. And yonder there, you're going to find the healthy, wealthy, and wise, the seasoned generational ticket holder, the fresh off a birthday bash, and looking to take a victory lap, Mr. Andrew Makowitz. I mean... What a day yesterday was. Adam and I got to watch the first game of the season together for the first time for the podcast, which was great. Um, there was a bunch of British uh, ales and pints to be served and had. And overall, just a, a Giants victory. It just makes Mondays that much sweeter, doesn't it? Like, as if, as a sports fan in general, when your team wins and you wake up the next day, you just want, you, you want to consume as much of the recaps as humanly possible because that's why you're a fan. You want to get excited and feel proud. And we can be proud the New York Giants it's absolutely um it's crazy too to think about not to not to get into the Nets podcast side of things but like I've been covering that team and in recent years the expectation was what an easy lift it'll be to be watching this team being so successful going on deep playoff runs cut to essentially just been following as a fan covering as well two teams that consistently you know drag the fan bases through the proverbial mud before we get into i think some of the bigger ramifications of this win there are playoff percentages to talk about there are just on a base level of what it was to play this team the the, the green bay packers and what that at least represented on sunday in that moment brian dable and his reaction to it before we do though I mean, for, for you, because you said we got to watch it. I brought up some delicious pies. Everyone had a great time. Um, just a pure, pure fan. I mean, are you, what did this game relative to being three and one coming into it? Did it hit you differently beating the Green Bay Packers? Because we came into it. You were downplaying Aaron Rodgers a little bit. He's, you know, he's a bum now. He's a practice squad QB, et cetera. But you go out and you get a pretty massive win. You know, we talked about it before. Like, what is your quarterback? Is he a ne negative? Is he a neutral? Is he a force multiplier? This felt like one of those games where it established Daniel Jones as a force multiplier for this team. He he impacted the game in such a positive way. You know, we were just talking, you know, pre-show, Adam. Daniel Jones having a 15-play, eight-minute drive when Saquon Barkley is on the bench to yeah. tie the game is tremendous. And if I told you that without all of his wide receivers, without his star running back, that, that we would be able to find a way to score, you you have to keep praise not only on Mike Kafka, Brian Dable, but also Daniel Jones. He played great. And we had I had confidence in him when he was stepping up to make throws yesterday. He was leaning into pressure as opposed to shying away from it. And man, did, man, did the Giants offense look good. They look good, Adam. They just did. 
Yeah, and I mean, there's a component of this that's like growth for this, right? Because up until this point, we're talking about is this basically, and and Saquon Barkley has the shoulder injury, comes back in, makes a big reception from Daniel Jones, just absolutely jukes a guy out, right? But that is is it all is it all Saquon Barkley or bust here, right? So Matt Breida steps up and Gary Brightwell steps up. And then to your point, so like inside of this game, the one thing that I'll remind people of, and we talked about this previously, and we understand where the hierarchy is on this show and, and how people view my perspective on Daniel Jones. Um, I, I think that this is why when we go back to last season and you talk about, yes, he was performing very well, but it was in losing efforts. The team was losing games and you can slice it a thousand different ways. If you want to, it's fine. The bottom line is they were losing games when Daniel Jones was performing sometimes at his best. What happened in this game, and we talked about that career-high QBR the week before, but maybe a lot of it predicated on his legs, a 75.2 QBR in this game almost solely predicated on what he was able to do with his arm, 21 of 27 and 217 yards. So to your point, it's a growth moment for, in my opinion, this is a growth moment for Daniel Jones because the team was playing winning football in this game. It matters if you're winning or losing when performing well, and it matters, we know Darius Slayton stepped up, it matters that you did it in a game. Again, okay, you don't have all your weapons. Fine. To your, you, you, you love the term, and I get it. Force multiplier. This is what that looks like when you take a team that is not perfect and with really good coaching, you go out and execute and help your team win a ball game, lead your team to a win in a big ball game. Yeah, and and at a, at a much higher level too, Adam, I think I think – Daniel Jones himself is changing the narrative on what he can be for this team. We talk about you hear you hear the national media talk about him and say he's a turnover machine. He can't hold on to the football. He fumbles it like crazy. And you know, earlier this morning, Jordan. Well, and that, boy, that's an old that's an old narrative too, right? Like people have dragged that thing pretty far here. Like I I'm critical of Daniel Jones, but that has not been a thing since what? I mean, going back to last season, it hasn't been nearly as an issue. Yeah. I'll, get, I'll give you the stat that backs it up. And this is directly from Jordan Renan, beat writer for, for the New York Giants. Renan. He said turn, turnovers per game. In 2019, he had 1.8 turnovers per game. He was basically turning the ball over two times a game. Everyone said he's a fumbling machine. 2020, 1.5. So still a lot, but starting to come down. 2021, he went to 0.9 turnovers per game, right? So less than one per game. In 2022, he has 0.9 six turnovers per game he's you know having a half a turnover per game as opposed to 1.8 four years ago sometimes you got to give credit where credit's due like that narrative as a rookie was one thing but he's turning it over at, at such a low clip he's like one of the least turnover prone quarterbacks in the league this year and remember that's again that's why this game matters because it's a game where he had to do things that in theory can expose him to turnovers, right? This is a game where he could throw interceptions, where he maybe could get got by a a, a difficult front for the Green Bay Packers that came in with 15 sacks on the season. So I think, you know, all these things are relative to to what the, again, what the coaching staff is doing to help him be successful and then him going out and executing. So yeah, I think he's moved further away from that narrative, obviously. Now it becomes about carrying that forward. And then the other big one I'll say at a high level is the fact that we know he was injured, injured last week has what looks like a miraculous recovery from the ankle injury. Wasn't 100% by any stretch, but the fact that he was able to get back out there and play in this game matters because this is a quarterback that misses games, right? As much as anything you're going to talk about with Daniel Jones, it's can he be healthy? And even sometimes being healthy, as we know at the NFL level, is can you just 
be on the field right. playing, even if you're not 100% healthy, as so many guys aren't. That's another big box that gets checked here, and he still performs at, at a high mm-hmm. level. That matters, too. I mean, Adam, the last thing I'll, I'll say on Daniel Jones, then we could talk about uh, just the overall team. We go to coaching, defense. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if I told you that we were going to play the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Jones was going to have a better passer rating and a better QBR than Aaron Rodgers, like people would be like, that Daniel Jones? Are you kidding me? And that's why I think the narrative needs to shift away from it. He played as well as you could ask him to play. He led a, a tremendous comeback in the second half. He has three comeback wins so far this season in the second half. He is doing the things that we needed to see from him at the onset of the season. He's doing those things. And now you can safely say, if he plays this way, the Giants are a force this season. They they just are based on the defense and the coaching that they have. Yeah, and we can talk about so there's a couple of things there. And also, again, like I'm going to keep reiterating this game for me. This is this is the first. This is this is the game that I say if Daniel Jones, you can go out and do this with consistency, then then you're showing something. You know, comeback wins have been good this year for the team overall, but they've been usually team comebacks in a lot of ways, right? We know how good Saquon's been. Sometimes when Saquon's out, you're going to need to be able to take control, and Daniel Jones did that. High level here, so let's just – um, it's funny because I know we want to talk about coaching here as well, and I was watching some of the games yesterday – such a good sample size of, of, of what it means to be successful in the NFL. You get a game like the Baltimore Ravens with a kicker like Justin Tucker, who, you know, will be one of three kickers to go to the Hall of Fame. Um, and by the way, talks way too long on the back end of that game with his postgame interview on the field. He was, he was in the weeds, but they drive down, put him in a good position, get him lined up. I'm talking about he was he split the arrow that is in the bullseye of the field goal when you're lining that one up. Conversely, the Arizona Cardinals can't seem to figure it out. Kyler Murray makes mistakes on that final drive. And then you have a guy off the street who's already missed a a field goal for the Kansas City Chiefs when he was with them, comes over to Arizona, hooks the field goal. The Cardinals lose. I bring those up to say things come down to continuity and to coaching. And what you don't see for the New York football Giants is, is a quarterback and head coach that are on the same page, a defensive coordinator and its unit that is not on the same page. And unlike years past for the Giants, a team that doesn't seem to have the same mentality of, hey, bad play, gave up a pass, gave up yardage. Okay, again, just like Dable says after every game, turn the page. What are you going to do on the next play? And that's where we saw big step-up moments across this defense, not just starters, also the guys that have filled in admirably throughout this season. I mean, look at how important coaching, as you say, around the league. Look at look at the the Los Angeles Chargers, right? Like they, everyone thinks Justin Herbert is is all world, and he is great. Brandon Staley inexplicably goes for it up to on his own forty yard line on fourth down with like a minute and a half to go, and the only re- and they didn't get it, and the only reason why he gets bailed out is because a kicker misses a kick. It just sure. goes to show how important coaching is. Like Justin Herbert looked great, his coach is making a terrible decision for him, and all of a sudden they could lose that game in an instant. The Giants are you know, coming up roses, coming up aces, whatever you want to say, in terms of all the decisions, especially the safety at the end of the game, the way that they managed to yeah, block, yeah, smart, the yeah. kneel downs. They're like, Daniel Jones, don't kneel it down until they actually pressure you. It's like, 
These are simple things that the coaches right, make that sure everyone should be doing. Up. Everybody <laughs> should be doing these things. Right. But as Giants fans, we'd be conditioned to be like, they're not going to do anything the right way. And um, just as a side note, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about some other elements, including um, what this means for the playoff picture for the Giants and why Brian Dable showed some real raw emotion leaving the field in London. Um, but, but tip of the cap to you. Who, when we were watching this game in real time yesterday, we were we were both on the same page, and you were being vocal about they should be taking the safety here. They should be running the corner and taking the safety. Go ahead and punt it away. Keep the field position. Make it harder for Aaron Rodgers. And I, I hate to do it. Hey, shout out to brother-in-law Greg. Ooh, you looked a little embarrassed sitting on the couch there saying, no, 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 you punt it. You're going to punt it here. Don't, don't give up. It, that's the smart football play what were you going to do have the scottish hammer try to bang one from the back edge of his end zone and give it to aaron Rodgers at the 50 no take the two points you're still down a touchdown friends make you have to work and earn it and by the way they needed every inch of that as this process unfolded for them in this game so just a really good example of um not just how good the coaching staff is but how good andy makowitz is at um just seeing those key moments and also really berating his brother-in-law which i enjoyed i was i was just standing back and just loving it Hey, listen, I mean, he's a Patriots fan. He's telling us that we don't know what we're talking about. And when you see uh, Gillen kind of run over to the side and just stand there and just hold the seconds, it it brought a tear to my eye because I'm like, (laughs) this is what good teams do to win football games. You make smart heads up football plays. Everyone was on the same page. That's the most important thing to me, Adam, is like every single person knew their assignment. It's the same way when Daniel Jones was kneeling it down. Everyone knew the assignment. Everyone knew what they needed to do. And, and again, you saw on the last play of the game, O'Shane Ximenez, like yes. coming in, making the huge play. We were relentless rushing four on that last play. Everyone knew their assignment. It's, it's kind of like bizarro world that after the last like five or six years where the Giants have seemed to make all these critical mistakes, whether it's coaching or player. Yesterday, the team just stepped up with guys that are replacement guys and guys that are being called off the practice squad. Marcus Johnson catches catches uh, you know three balls to contribute. M- uh, McLeod was out there contributing. Justin Lane was out there. There's a ton of guys that you wouldn't have even known their name two weeks ago are just being doing the right things, and the coaching is primarily responsible for putting them in, in those spots, Adam. And we've talked about how um, the, the Giants in the offseason and in training camp and during practice, they rotate. They rotate their players from the starters into the backup. So I think Brian Dable and his coaching staff have also done a really smart job of having some level of preparedness for these backups and knowing, hey, the NFL is about injuries. And and, and listen, we're, you know, I don't care whether or not other guys like Cliff Kingsbury have been once been labeled an offensive guru. I just want guys that get the job done on the coaching staff, and all of them are. Um, but just those those instances where you say, yeah usually once you lose starter X or starter Y, you understand it's going to be a really uphill battle. Guys came in and knew knew what their role was. Yes, it's going to look percentage points worse, but as long as you know you're supposed to be, you increase the chances that you can still come out with a win. We, we, I wanted to highlight this here as King, uh, as King Chris is saying, I think the Giants can make the playoffs. Really worth noting here, on a day, by the way, where all three of the top teams in the NFC East won the Cowboys and the Eagles, as we know, um, the Giants winning as well over the weekend. Um, the Giants went from something around 33% when they were coming into that game to 78, almost 80% percent chance to make the playoffs. And that's why I think when you saw Brian Dable, who... Drops a little F-bomb, which I'm more than happy to see, leaving the field. He was 
visibly pumped up around this win. And he's shown it in the locker room and post games, but he keeps preaching, turning the page, right? Staying consistent, knowing what the task is at hand. And they have to, they got to get right back into it to play the Baltimore Ravens. And yet I don't know if in his heart of hearts, Brian Dable, when they walked into this season thought, and hey, listen, we'll go three and one to start. Then we'll head over to London. We'll take on Aaron Rodgers, and, and you know, and guess what? Wink Martindale is apparently, in spite of being fired by the Baltimore Ravens, is actually still one of the best defensive coordinators in the game today. That's going to change this and put us in the driver's seat here to have a real opportunity. There, there, there's going to be bumps in the road, man. Like, but we can sit here in the glow of it because this is a seismic shift. If they had lost that game. It's all relative, maybe still a chance, but it would have felt like it did the first three, four weeks of the season. This makes a massive difference in what the Giants can accomplish this year. Adam, you are spot on with that. I I believe, you know, most places have it about 65 to 70% for the Giants to make the playoffs. Well, yeah, so it was probably higher before other teams won, right? Because we had the the morning game. I looked, right. I got to look too early. I got too excited. It it ended up being anywhere between 65 and 70%. Because Cowboys winning actually hurts. And so, and the Eagles as well. Yeah. Cowboys and Eagles both won. But Adam, I think something that's also lost in this, because we just assume the Packers are going to be amazing, is that the Giants now own the tiebreaker over the Green Bay Packers, right? Like, that yeah. was a huge win against a team that you expect to be vying for a playoff spot. The Giants are now four and one. They push the Packers down to, to three and two. Like that's a huge win for the Giants. It, it elevates them once more. It, it's tremendous to think that this team now has the, the potential to make the playoffs. And I think all Giant fans and the players in the building are all sitting here saying, we are a playoff caliber team when we're coached this way and players are not making mistakes. Like this team is actually a good team. Let's, Let's stop talking about the flukiness of the Giants winning football games. All I all I remember hearing is, well, the Titans stink, and this team can't win, and that team can't do anything. The Giants beat the Green Bay Packers, and the Giants beat the now 3-2 and two Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Those are two really good wins on their schedule, and no one should be apologizing about it. No, of course not. And, and you say, like, you know, I always, and we talk about it with Daniel Jones. We talk about it with the team. We talk about this process. We're going to look at this in the big picture as we get towards the middle of the season. We have a very interesting episode over their bye week that you're going to want to be a part of for what some of the key players and contributors have been on this roster. But I, I, I think it's fair over the first couple of weeks of a season to not really – you don't know. You, you don't know. Is it fluky? Is it good? Is it bad? At some point, the resume is just the resume. And we can go in and look at where they rank inside of statistical categories. By the way, really good stat is that the New York football Giants, I'm not going to be 100% accurate on this number. It's something like they outscore opponents 70 to 39 in second half of games, right? So when you talk about a team that is finding, you know, where this is the consistency, what are the things we think we can hang our hat on? Regardless of how game scripts start for the Giants, they finish really strong on both sides of the ball. And that's something you can hang your hat on. And that's something that I do think teams start to look at when you're coming to play the Giants and you say, well, what do we know for sure? They don't go away in these games. You shut out the Green Bay Packers in the second half of this matchup, right? You find ways to make adjustments, and that puts you in a position to, at the very least, they've been in, I think, all one-score games. Are we all one-score games at this point? They find ways to be in games late, and I think that any team in the league, regardless of record, you would sign up for that every day of the week coming into a season. Hey, tell me that in the fourth quarter with five minutes to go, either I'm up three, I'm down six, whatever it may be, I have a chance to win the football game. The Giants have always been in that spot through the first five games. 
you know, we talk about the 15 play drive was about eight minutes. The Giants also had another drive of seven minutes. They they had two drives that took up an entire quarter in the second half, and they scored on both of them, Adam. So like well, they're eating away the clock and they're getting touchdowns and, and points on the board. Like that what we when have we seen this from the Giants? Really big reminder, too, because you mentioned that in the pre-show, and I think if we, we can go back and take a look at this, the Giants have had sustained drives like that offensively. I just think that maybe, it, you know, Barkley being a part of them changes it a little bit, and again, you're just you're thinking, okay, they put together a drive, but now if we start to go back and tally these up, I think we're going to sit here and say we have every week there is a drive of X in the third or fourth quarter for this offensive unit. And the other thing that I thought was really good coming out of that game, which I mentioned yesterday, but it's worth reiterating too, from a high level of what this team has always struggled with consistency, uh, consistently in recent years, they kicked, uh, they had two field goals early and then flipped that and scored touchdowns late, right? So these are games when you're up 27-20 and you're taking the safety and you're trying to drain this clock and you want to win this one. There's other versions of this of this team, of this franchise where they're still trailing by six points because it's field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. And you're sitting there at 20 to 16 down by four trying to figure out, well, what do we need to accomplish here? How are we going to go 80 plus yards to give ourselves a shot? Instead, you convert those opportunities, you get creative on plays, and you find ways to be ahead late in ball games. something that the defensive unit has not had the chance to do in recent years as well. The Giants were not chasing points in the game. Sometimes when you feel like you're behind, you're like, oh, we have to go for two here. We have to do this. We have to do that. The Giants just said, if we can have sustained drives and put points on the board, touchdowns specifically, like we're, we don't need to rush. We don't have to have some crazy urgency. Sometimes it feels like, you know, Daniel Jones is hurrying so much because he wants to get 10 points on one play, which you can't do. So the Giants yeah. methodically stayed in it on offense and the defensive side of the ball did not give up a point to Aaron Rodgers in the second half. They only had 100 yards of total offense that the Green Bay Packers did in the second half. That defense, by getting stops, making Aaron Rodgers punt, allowed the offense to say, hey, you don't have to get it all back in one play. We'll stop him. Just keep manufacturing points. Let's get this into a one-score game. Let's tie it up. Give us an opportunity on the defensive side of the ball. And they did that after giving up 20 points in the first half. The only points that are scored is two on a strategic safety the Giants did. Wink Martindale's defense with a bunch of backups in there, especially at cornerback. Dory Jackson went out of the game for a while. They stepped up and they made plays. And they did the bend, don't break. Gave up 20 in the first, zero in the second. Kept the team alive. It was tremendous all around, Adam. No, 100%, like I said. And um, on the Daniel Jones piece of it, we can touch back in this just a little bit here. And I even want to look at, you mentioned the playoff picture there before. I, I think it's important to look at that just for a moment here, knowing what was accomplished on Sunday. You said, hey, we now have the tiebreaker against the Green Bay Packers. Well, we never want to see our division opponents win games. We also don't hate when they beat two teams in the Arizona Cardinals that could be in the mix for a wild card spot in a muddy division right now. And that division was muddied because the Cowboys beat the Rams. So now you have two teams at two and three. We, we know we have that extra wild card spot now. When you just look across the NFC, the Giants are four and one. And who knows, by the way, we have big dates that are going to come up here against the Dallas Cowboys. Two games at the back end of this season against the Philadelphia Eagles. So, you know, we're also maybe we take a moment here just to say, while it may be, you know, lofty aspirations, the Giants are in the mix for the division, first and foremost. Like, that's where they stand right now. Those divisional games are going to become massive. But just when you look at where everything sits here with the Green Bay Packers at 3-2 and two and Chicago at 2-3, and three, 
Again, New Orleans and the Falcons, both two and three ball clubs. The Rams and the Cardinals, two and three ball clubs. Like, you can now navigate your way to that success. And when you talk about those injuries that that I, I, I'm shocked that they haven't, we haven't suffered at the hands of that more over these first five games. But now you get to look at it and maybe get a little strategic about finding ways to get healthy and looking at games and saying, yes, this is the one that matters, right? Big time games over the back half of this season. Um, they're in a great position, man. And it does elevate it. Let, let's, let's focus on expectations. Does it, did this game dramatically, we said at the top there, does this dramatically shift your expectations for this season? Do you, you know, take a little bit of bated breath around it and try not to overemphasize what one game could mean for this team for this season? Well, I just look at how they're playing overall and how they're being coached. And and when you start looking at the next, you know, four or five game chunk, obviously some of these games are, uh, we talked about and it at the beginning. Do three, Adam, do, the, do the next three, knowing that that's the midpoint, right? Like just, yeah. just in that breath there. So that's going to be Jag, uh, Ravens, Jaguars, and Seahawks, right? And and when we, well, it, that's why it's funny before the season, when you go win, loss, win, loss, and you do all the check marks. Always, yeah, yeah. Like, did we think that Geno Smith was going to be as good as he has been? He's leading right. the league in completion percentage. Like that's unbelievable. Did we think that Trevor Lawrence was going to start looking better with Doug Peterson, like, and how much these games all of a sudden got much more difficult than we anticipated. This is not a cakewalk to say the giants are going to win the next three games and go seven and one. I mean, they're, they're a touch Adam. They're basically a touchdown underdog at home against the Ravens going into next week. That is another expected, you know, from Vegas odds that the giants are going to lose that game. It doesn't change the, the win loss record for me just yet. Like I'm excited about where this team is going, I just want to see them continue to put themselves in a position to win. Don't make mistakes. Good coaching staff. Don't turn over the ball. And when we get some of these guys healthy again, maybe we can start making some noise. But right now, while I'm excited about being four and one, I'm more concerned about just looking good on the field and handling business the way that you need to, rather than whether or not the Giants are going to beat the Ravens by a field goal. Yeah, I, I think that, and I think that that's fair. It's funny because you mentioned it's like, does it change? Well, if I when I was doing the win loss win loss, I didn't have them at four and one through five games, so <laughs> right. that makes them a ten win team, right? It makes them an eleven win team now. But much like we didn't anticipate the Giants beating the Packers, you mentioned you don't also don't anticipate the way other teams look, right? And it, and it looks like at least on paper right now, Eagles and Cowboys, those are going to be really difficult matchups. We may look back at that loss to Cooper Rush and the Cowboys and say, man. What a rough spot there. But by the way, that was also the moment where we thought, boy, we, we, we praised Daniel Jones just for being gutsy and getting bludgeoned all game. And also thought, is the offensive line, is this the beginning of the end? Is it starting to crumble? Guess what? They've bounced back now. They have bounced back after that after that really bad loss and kind of re-engaged the, the, the belief that this team and the coaching staff can navigate them successfully. So I think the next phases are, are evolving the offensive scheme. That's still a big component of this. But if you tell me right now that I can get the, that I can get Daniel Jones perform, let's, let's let's close on him. If I can get him performing like this with consistency, then I can look at the schedule and say, yes, these are winnable games on a week to week basis. More often than not, if I get that level of performance, understanding. I think there was a stat out there. I had to double check this. The Giants are only, you know, we saw some glaring drops in recent weeks. Didn't happen on Sunday, 
Um, but I think they only have 10 drops on the season. Like they're actually doing a pretty good job in the receiving core, understanding the sample size is smaller than usual. So you need the consistency. You need to find ways to get healthy, as you mentioned. But if Daniel Jones can do this with consistency, and I mentioned it, I think the week prior, I mentioned it coming. Like, I'm going to take one moment here, Andy. Go ahead. Because I legitimately said coming into this game, and I meant it, this could be a career-defining game for Daniel Jones. And I meant it in a positive way. And he went out and he did that. Now you need to build on it and show that this is who you can consistently be. If you can be a guy that completes 65-plus percent of his passes, protects the football, and leads sustained drives when it matters most in games, and then ends in wins, you really have something here. Now go prove it over the rest of this season. He completed 77% of his passes. Yeah, Amazing. Is, yeah. He stepped up with confidence. Exactly. He made the, the throws that you have been hoping. You personally I said too, this in Adam, post-game. Like, like, I, I only earmarked one bad, one bad throw behind Darius Slayton over the middle. And I'm not wasn't doing that to nitpick. I was saying I only saw one bad throw that he made in this game. And, and I thought that the receivers did a nice job. Ones that are right on the shoulder there, whatever. Good adjustments, making the plays. Continue. Daniel Jones has the 14th highest QBR in the league this year. If Daniel Jones is performing at a top 15 level, this team can make the playoffs. Like forget about what, what it means for him next season for the giants. I live in the moment. This season is all I really care about right now. And the idea yeah, is like, I am only, uh, yeah. What does this season look like? Yeah. Right. Like if he's a top 15 QBR guy where he's using his legs effectively, like he had 10 rushes, he only had 37 yards, but it felt like every time he, he decided to run draws. Yeah. He, he, he looked like he was very wise and it was very timely in the times where he did decide to use his legs pick up you know five yards on a third and four pick up seven Mm -hmm. yards on a third and six he was manufacturing ways to move down the field adam i mean 77 percent. aaron Rodgers was completing 64 percent i i know i know like it's 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 a very large sweeping statement but to me you know daniel jones is is one ahead of tom brady he's a couple ahead of stafford and burrow and rogers in terms of qbr if he could just play at a top 15 level better than half the quarterbacks in the league with this coaching, this defense, and a guy like Saquon Barkley, there is hope and promise here. Yeah, and by the way, I don't care. At the end of the day, I don't care what any other quarterback is doing in the league right now. I mean, I, and but where the QBR ranks matters. I don't care who's completing what percentage. I don't care what it looks like. Because, by the way, we can go look at yardage and say that Daniel Jones is 28th in passing yards. And, what you know, it, it, it's up and down. But – Three out of the six key categories, he is in the middle or just above the middle of the pack in the NFL right now. And go back to the start of this season and to the offseason. When we talked about him, this is what I asked. I said, if Daniel Jones can go out and be a top 15 quarterback, then it changes the discussion you're having as you work your way through the season and into the offseason. We'll get there when we get there. The most impressive thing is that with Daniel Jones, up some up and downs here, but as a top 15 performing quarterback in key statistical categories, including turnovers and completion percentage and QBR, if he can do those things, the Giants can be a winning football team throughout this season. So I'm not worried about franchise. We saw in the comments, and I get why fans are getting there. Don't care about franchise tags. Don't care about negotiating contracts right now in this moment. All I care about is that he continues to show this level of consistency and that this offensive coaching staff continues to incrementally 
open that door a little bit wider, open the playbook a little bit more, and let him take those steps forward. Because right now, I mentioned, make sure we highlight here Brian Dable's comments on Daniel Jones, Andy, that you, you had looked up here in the post game. Because I think a big piece of this, I think that, that Brian Dable had expectations for Daniel Jones, whatever they were. Let's see if he can be top 20. And I think right now, in a healthy way, as you want your coaching staff to do, that he is allowing himself to be impressed by what Daniel Jones is doing, to be impressed by the way teammates talk about him and the way they rally around him on a game-to-game basis. He's allowing his opinion to evolve, as well it should, because if he has a high opinion of himself and his coaching staff, this guy should be capable of improving under me. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll read the quote just so you can feel what you were mentioning, Adam, to, to this point. This is what Dave's came out and said. He said, at quote, he comes in ready to go each week. He's very humble. I think it's very, very important to him. He has very good leadership amongst the team. Players got a lot of respect for him, and I know the coaches do too. We have confidence in him. He's done a really good job for our football team, and the things that we have asked him to do, he's done them well. I am glad he is our quarterback. Like, how much better can you say it than that? That, that is that is like, uh, p- put it, hang it in the Louvre, Adam. That's how perfect that, that quote was. And listen, again, this one game is not a referendum, good or bad, on any one player or on this team. But it was one hell of a win, and you can make the, not even strong case, the definitive statement. This was the best and most important win for this franchise since 2016 when they were locking up a playoff spot, ultimately just to go and lose to the Packers, by the way. But those were the when the last time these wins mattered for the Giants. This was the most important win that they've had since 2016. And next week might be the most important win they've had since Sunday. We'll come back in, obviously. We're going to continue to talk about some of the takeaways from this game, but also start to think about what is the next phase here, the injury updates. Yes, the list got longer, wouldn't you know it? So we'll see what that looks like here. The Giants have three games before they hit their bye week and maybe get a chance to get healthy and lick some of their wounds. What do they need to accomplish over these next three weeks so that Sunday's victory doesn't end up being just a win on the schedule, but actually a bit of a defining moment for this season get us over on youtube friends where we're doing this as you know five days a week and maybe even sometimes six when you get a little post-game hype from yours truly on sunday over on the podcast feed wherever you get those needs fulfilled and as andy makowitz was begging pleading and demanding that he would get to let the people know as always let's go big blue